You're listening to the Bar Business Podcast, where every week, your host, Chris Schneider, brings you information, strategies, and news on the bar industry, giving you the competitive edge you need to start working on your bar rather than in your bar. Welcome to this week's edition of the Bar Business Podcast. This week, we're going to be diving into a growing new trend. And it's one that some folks in the bar business like and others are having a visceral reaction against, which frankly, I think there's no reason to be against this trend. It's a trend that's growing. It's a trend that actually helps us in some ways. And that trend is the growth of low alcohol cocktails and mocktails, where we're not actually using large quantities of alcohol in drinks, but we're making drinks using either very low alcohol or no alcohol. I think in many ways, the reason that folks are against this trend is that it seems contrary to what we do in the bar business. The bar business is fundamentally, or at least has always been, about booze. But actually, what we do is not entirely about booze. The bar business is really about providing a community gathering place, a place for people to come together, congregate, to spend money, to enjoy their time, and to interact with their friends and family. So as long as we're doing that, we're not fundamentally outside of what the bar business is, regardless of whether or not we're pouring people drinks with or without alcohol. And we really see this growth and this trend in the younger generations, particularly Gen Z. We're in the middle of a cultural shift towards health and wellness, which is part of the reason this is a growing trend. We're also in a cultural shift away from binge drinking, away from getting shit-faced, for lack of a better way of putting it, and driving home. DUI penalties are higher. Social penalties are higher. It's no longer considered acceptable as an office employee to be half-popped while you're at work because it's after lunch. So that all means that society is changing. And if we don't change with society, if we don't embrace this trend, we will be left behind. Because mocktails and low-alcohol cocktails, at least in the current environment, are the future of the bar business. Now, that may not always be the case. We may go back to a party-drinking culture at some point. But right now, we're moving further and further away from partying, drinking, getting blackout drunk and trying to drive home to being safe, responsible, and really having more emphasis on the experience, the time we spend with our friends and family, than on getting drunk and the alcohol itself. So as I said, for some people, this is uncomfortable because this seems like a direct contradiction to what the bar business has always been. But as I explained, it's not really that. There's another really key benefit for us here as bar owners, as people in the industry, which is if we're not getting our customers drunk, we have way less liability. If you think about liquor liability, liquor liability all comes down to dram shop claims and essentially what people will do drunk when they leave your bar. And as we all know with dram shop laws, it doesn't matter if you were the first bar that served them that night or the last bar that served them that night. If they get in trouble, we have potential liability. It's part of the reason why liquor liability insurance is so expensive. So in many ways, the increase in popularity for mocktails and low-alcohol cocktails provides us an opportunity to make money, give people a great environment, do everything that we've always done, while at the same time decreasing our legal liability. And that's huge. Less liability is better for us. It's better for our businesses. So while there's somewhat of a visceral reaction against low-alcohol cocktails and mocktails, When you really think of three, when you really think of the impact of those drinks on your business, it's all positive. Because here's the thing that people often forget. You can charge just as much for a mocktail as you can for a cocktail in most cases. 
Now, in order to be successful with low-alcohol cocktails and mocktails, you need to have the right supplies. The same way that you can't have a good bar that can make a mojito if you don't have mint. Mint is required to make a mojito. Low-alcohol cocktails and mocktails, rather, require more ingredients. They require different ingredients than what we're necessarily used to stocking behind the bar. Now, the good thing is that all the ingredients that you use in low-alcohol cocktails and mocktails, you can also use for alcohol-based cocktails. It's not a one or the other. It's a one and the other. And that means that you can build these into your cocktail list the same way that you build any other drink into your cocktail list. And as a matter of fact, you can use the same ingredients. So when we were talking about menus a few weeks ago, one of the things that I hit on, especially when it comes to food menus and proteins, is that you want to make sure you're using proteins multiple places in the menu because it's high spoilage and it's the most expensive thing on a plate. Well, in the same way, juice spoils faster than anything else you put in a cocktail. And juice is generally one of the most expensive things you're pouring in the glass. Obviously, alcohol is the most expensive, but alcohol doesn't spoil. After alcohol comes juice. That's your most perishable, most expensive item that you're going to use in a cocktail, mocktail, low-alcohol cocktail. Any drink you're pouring across your bar, your juice is going to be expensive. So we want to be able to use our juices in different places throughout our menu, especially when it comes to the fact that to do really good mocktails, to do really good low-alcohol cocktails, and really to do really good cocktail menus as a whole, we need cool ingredients, fresh ingredients, different ingredients than other people have. So if you build this in as part of your overall cocktail plan, as part of your overall beverage offering, it's not difficult or more expensive to have very nice, trendy, low-alcohol cocktails and mocktails on your menu that you can follow this trend for, that you can give people a little bit of a different, unique experience protect your bottom line, and overall, again, decrease your legal liability for the drinks that you're serving. I think one of the hard parts for many of us when it comes to coming up with ideas for low-alcohol cocktails and mocktails is where do we start? What are we actually doing? We're used to mixing alcohols with different juices, alcohols with different herbs and flavors, but we're not used to mixing those flavors themselves without the alcohol there. So there are a few things that we can do. One is there is a huge availability now and an ever-growing selection of non-alcoholic spirits. Now, in some ways, non-alcoholic spirits can be great. Some of them are phenomenal. Some of them, not so much. Some of them are just kind of lightly flavored water, if you will. Other ones are giving more flavor profiles that we would expect in things like bourbon and rum and vodka. But even if we're not using low-alcohol spirits, or no-alcohol spirits, rather, there are some other options for us. If we're staying low-alcohol, we have this wonderful opportunity to use all the different types of bitters that exist, potentially depending on how low-alcohol we're trying to be, to use certain liqueurs that are lower alcohol. And then we can also use wine and beer in our cocktails. So think of something like an Aperol spritz. It's a very traditional cocktail, but it is Aperol mixed with Prosecco. So it's low alcohol, but it's still all alcohol, and that's something traditional that bars have been serving for generations. And if you really think about it, with wine, there's a lot we can do with mocktails. And one thing that's interesting, I am not a fan of fruit wine. I'll be real honest here. Fruit wine, sweet wine is not my thing. I'm more of a Cab Zinfandel Syrah drinker. But that fruit wine, those sweeter wines, 
give us some interesting abilities to build cocktails on top of them. Because you're getting great flavors, you're getting a little bit of alcohol. And then from that, you can put complementary flavors and build complex cocktails. Now, if we're going fully non-alcoholic, you really have to get into the ingredients that you're using. And really, every time we're doing low alcohol cocktails, we have a little bit less need to go crazy on the mixers. But if we're going mocktails, we really want to go crazy on the mixers. And the wonderful thing about this, again, is if you have a bunch of mixers and ingredients that are very high quality based on making mocktails at a high quality, you can use those in your cocktails on your cocktail list as well. There's nothing that says you can't multi-use these ingredients. As a matter of fact, as I just said, we really should be multi-using all these ingredients. So what are some examples of some different things we can do? Well, first of all, we want to talk about juice. So juice, we can buy juice. The fresher the juice, the better when we're doing mocktails, though. That can of grapefruit juice that works fine for a vodka grapefruit is not going to be great if grapefruit is the primary thing in a mocktail. You don't have the alcohol to balance out the shitty grapefruit. So you need better grapefruit juice. So juices have to be high quality. One thing we can do to make interesting juice-like flavors, we can do purees. You can buy purees or you can make purees just by taking fruit and pureeing it. But you can puree basically any fruit that exists. We can make blackberry puree, blueberry puree, strawberry puree, mango puree, just with a blender and a little bit of time. And that's going to give us very high quality mixers that really allow us to produce great mocktails, great cocktails. And one thing that you should always remember, if you're doing a puree, if you're doing a fruit-based drink and you're, you're juicing it, you're pureeing it, you're doing whatever with it, you want to make sure you strain it, right? When we're doing mocktails, we do not want a bunch of little floating pieces of pulp, pieces of whatever in our drinks. We want the drinks to be pure, clean, and clear generally. Now, you might have a reason that you make a cloudy drink to be cloudy, but most of the time we're going to want clear drinks. So you really have to make sure that if you're making purees, if you're making juices yourself, you are filtering those out. Another very interesting thing that we can do with fruit is to make shrubs. And for those of you that are not familiar with them, shrubs are used in all sorts of cocktails. They work particularly good, though, for mocktails. And what a shrub is at the end of the day is essentially a drinking vinegar. So we're producing a sweet, fruity vinegar, where we're essentially using fresh fruit to make a syrup, and then we're using vinegar to stabilize that syrup so that it doesn't go bad in, say, a week. This will make it last for weeks on end. And so to make a shrub, what you're going to do is you're going to take a fruit. Let's say we wanted to use strawberries. You're going to take strawberries, and you're going to put them in a plastic bag, and you're going to add sugar to them. And that's going to pull all that juice out of the strawberry and to really bring the flavors and that juice and that sugar together, and it's going to drain all that flavor out of the fruit itself. Now, you could do this by just putting the fruit and the sugar in a plastic bag and sitting it out for a while. You could do this using a sous vide to speed up the process. There are multiple approaches here, and I would encourage you, if you're interested in using shrubs, go look into those. When it comes to the sugar we're using, we can use white sugar, we can use brown sugar, we can use cane sugar. Maple syrup, um, any type of syrup you want, anything that's sweet you can use. So, for instance, maybe we wanted to make a bourbon barrel blueberry cocktail. So you could take blueberries, 
Mix them with bourbon barrel aged maple syrup. So we're getting that oaky bourbon flavor there. Let that sit for a few days. Let those blueberries or that sugar in the maple syrup rather really pull out the juice from those blueberries. Then you're going to take that. You're going to strain that off. And once you have that strained off and you have the wonderful, clear, sweet, bourbony blueberry juice, you're going to take some vinegar and you're going to use that to stabilize it. And as far as vinegar is concerned, you can basically use any vinegar you want. If we're doing blueberry bourbon, I'm going to be real tempted to go with a balsamic because I think those flavors are going to marry really well. But you could go with white vinegar, apple cider vinegar. Just pick a vinegar. It really does not matter which vinegar you use. So then the question is, if you have this shrub, what do you do with it? And frankly, there are a lot of different options. One option that is always awesome when it comes to a shrub is if we're going low alcohol, no alcohol, we can mix it with soda. We can mix it with herbs. So we have blueberry bourbon sweet syrup. And maybe we're going to muddle some mint, throw some soda on that, and garnish it with a mint loop. So we have a, just a very simple blueberry mint soda, essentially, with this wonderful vinegar backing it up that's going to add some acidity, some tartness to the whole thing. And that could be a great low-alcohol cocktail. Likewise, we have a blueberry bourbon syrup. We could put it with soda and bourbon and make an alcoholic cocktail. The options are really endless. And especially with shrubs, it's cool because you can mix any vinegar with any fruit with any sugar and produce a result. There are tons of recipes online if you go look for them. But also have fun. Enjoy it. Try different things. See what works and what doesn't. You will stumble across things that you will love. And so that's a great addition to your mocktails and low-alcohol cocktails in addition to just juices and purees. The other thing that you're going to want to have on hand, and this is true, again, of high-end mixology where we're making cocktails that use alcohol, and mocktails or low-alcohol cocktails where we're not using spirits, is you're going to want different syrups. You pretty much want to make your own syrups. So whether that is a syrup made out of different vegetables or fruits or herbs. You know, maybe you make honey syrups, ginger syrups, sage syrups. There are all these different options. You make rosemary syrup. So you can make flavored syrups that you can then use to mix. And again, that'll work in your mocktails. That'll work in your low alcohol cocktails. That'll work in your alcohol cocktails just fine. And it gives you another layer of flavor. And that's really what all this builds to. So when we're doing the mocktails and the low alcohol cocktails, the thing we want to do is layer flavor. And if we're using a sweet fruit wine, if we're using bitters, where we're using some alcohol, that's pretty easy. It's made for us. If we're going straight zero alcohol mocktails, maybe we are using a non-alcoholic spirit and getting some flavor there. But really what you have to do, you have to make sure you're layering in the flavor. And that's true of a standard cocktail, too. If you think about the way you build cocktails, it's layers of flavor. But with mocktails, it becomes more important because you don't have this overpowering alcohol taste that is going to override a lot of the things you can do. With mocktails, you can do a lot more subtle flavor if everything you're doing has the same subtlety to it. So hopefully that's all gotten your brain working. Let's go through a couple of examples real quick of potential mocktails you could do. One that I was playing with is a pomegranate margarita mocktail. Simple. It's a flavor profile that we're used to. Pomegranate margaritas are not uncommon in bars normally. And one of our flavors that we're using is tequila on those. 
But what if we just leave the tequila out? You're going to have a great pomegranate drink that isn't that much work. So if we take pomegranate juice, a couple ounces, say take an ounce of lime juice, a little bit of simple syrup, salt the rim, shake your ingredients together, strain into your glass, boom, done. Simple, easy margarita. That is a mocktail, but because we've used that pomegranate, in addition to the lime, we've created layers of flavor. We've created some interest there. We have some tart. We have some sweet because of the simple syrup. And we have what is actually a well-developed drink. Now, if we wanted to go a little bit more complicated, let's say we wanted to play with some blackberries and some sage and make something that was so a blackberry sage fizz. Well, let's start with a couple ounces of blackberry puree, and that's where, you're, again, you're going to have to make this probably. You can probably buy blackberry puree, but if you take some blackberries, blend them up, filter it, you're going to have a much better product. So let's start with a couple ounces of blackberry puree, throw in an ounce of lime juice, because that's going to provide that acidity, that balance to the sweetness of the blackberries. And then we were talking about making syrups earlier, so let's take the sage and make a sage syrup, throw that in there, and then just top it with soda. So a couple ounces of blackberry puree, ounce of lime juice, ounce of sage syrup, top with soda. That's going to give you all this flavor layer, a wonderful drink, no alcohol in it. And so there really is the ability, those were two examples, but there really is the ability to make complex, layered, wonderful drinks without alcohol that we can sell in a bar. Now, one thing I hear a lot of people say is that you can't charge for a mocktail what you could for a cocktail or that my tips will be lower if we sell a bunch of mocktails. Well, let's back up for a second. That could not be further from the truth. Let's just work with standard bar math. If you're selling cocktails, if you're selling beer, if you're selling wine, we want that liquor cost in the low 20s. And a lot of times for cocktails, we're looking for a liquor cost in the teens, maybe 22%. If we're doing that with mocktails and we do the same math, guess what? That pomegranate is expensive. Blackberry puree, that's going to be expensive. Make sage syrup, we got something that's kind of expensive. So your ingredients are probably not going to be any cheaper for a mocktail than a cocktail. And what that means is if we use the same math, if we use the same cost percentages, which we have to do in order to make money in the bar business, we charge about the same rate for a mocktail or a low alcohol cocktail as a full alcohol cocktail. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that mocktails are going to lose business, they're going to be less money, that you're not going to put as much money in your pocket. Bullshit. Make the ingredients expensive, charge the right amount. Give people a great value. Do the same thing you do with all your liquor cocktails. But at the same time, make sure you're charging roughly the same for your mocktails and your low alcohol cocktails as your full alcohol cocktail. There is not a reason in the world that you cannot give guests a price point on mocktails similar to your cocktail price point that they will pay. Because if you're making awesome drinks that have awesome flavor profiles, that are layered, that have all this wonderfulness going on, and that have right garnishes and are presented well in a good atmosphere, they will pay the money. Because what this trend is telling us, again, is not that people don't want to go to bars. It's not that they don't want to go out. It's not that they'd rather go to their friend's house and drink than come to the bar and drink is that they want to go out and have fun and have that social experience and not drink. They don't want to get drunk, but they want to do the same activity. Well, if they want to do the same activity, they're already telling us they're willing to spend the same money. So if you give them a great option, they will do it. Now, where most bars lose on this proposition, where most bars end up screwing up 
mocktails and not being able to get the same money for them is they don't have the ingredients. If all you have behind your bar is a soda gun, some canned juices, and grenadine, you can't produce much of a mocktail. A Shirley Temple, as far as I'm concerned, isn't worth any more than a glass of Sprite. If you're going to do high-end mocktails, you need high-end ingredients. You need the right stuff in place to be able to make that cocktail program work. And if you do that, there's no limitation to what you charge. People will pay for the complex drinks, just like they pay for your normal drinks. Now, that's not to say that your mocktails should cost more than your cocktail. But I do think on a well-structured cocktail list, if you included a mocktail section on your cocktail list, that the price point on your mocktails should be similar to the price point on your cocktails. But also make sure that the value to the guest and the cost of the ingredients going into those mocktails is similar as the value to your guest and the cost of the ingredients going into the cocktails. This is not a way to make extra money. It's not a way to make mess money. It's a way done properly to make the same money, give people more options, and still provide the same environment, the same things going on. So it's very important that when you look at costing mocktails, that when you look at pricing mocktails, and when you look at your ingredients and mocktails, we're treating it the same as cocktails. We're viewing it the same as cocktails. One of the biggest objections I see to mocktails and low alcohol cocktails is not bar owners, it's bartenders. And bartenders don't like it because they think it's going to cut in their money. So we need to make sure always that our bartenders have the same opportunity to make money. We must do that in order to be successful. That also means we have to give our staff great training on mocktails, how to make them, and how to really support a low-alcohol cocktail and mocktail program. They should be just as adept at selling those as they are at selling any other drink. And we need to use that training to destigmatize low-alcohol cocktails and mocktails to our staff so that they realize that it doesn't hurt their bottom line, that it's not hurting their tips, that it's not going to lower their sales. But it's another key component of their sales that allows them to reach a different market and actually probably make more money in the long run. Just like with cocktail lists, just like with anything we're doing in a bar, we need to train this and we need to train it and train it and train it until our staff knows it backwards and forwards. We need to follow our same show, tell, do, review process when we're training our mocktail programs as our cocktail programs. If you don't treat your mocktail program and train your mocktail program with the same intensity, with the same passion, with the same level of expectations on your staff as your cocktail program, you won't have a mocktail program that works. It's not going to help you. If you do train it the same way, it will help you. It will be successful. You do have opportunities here. Even little neighborhood bars in the middle of nowhere have increasingly more people that don't drink or that don't want to get drunk. And so this can work anywhere, but you have to train it right. You have to set your staff up for success. One final point I want to make about mocktails and low-alcohol cocktails in general. This is a trend I do not see going anywhere. This is a trend that is growing at a pace that I do not believe almost. When I first saw this as a trend, I thought, okay, this is just some fleeting thing. It's going to go away. It's not. It's here to stay. And because of that, you need to jump on this now. The last thing you want to do is be the last person in on a trend and lose business to other places that are stealing your customers because they're offering something that you aren't. We always want to be true to our concept. We always want to make sure everything we do fits our concept. But you can come up with one or two or five mocktails, low alcohol cocktails you can put on your next cocktail list 
and you can roll that out in the next couple weeks. And I really would challenge you, play with this, experiment with it, think about it, and go throw some of those on your menu because that is going to make you more competitive. That will keep you on top of this trend. And you don't want to miss this. I really think this is a trend that's here to stay. And I really believe that if we look five, ten years down the road, a sizable chunk of most bars revenue, whether that's 25, 30%, somewhere in that range, will be from low and no alcohol drinks. So you need to get on top of it now. You need to make sure you have a great product. This is not something that you can half-ass and be successful. This is not something that you can ignore, I don't think, and be successful. I think you need to jump on this trend. You should do it now, but you should do it logically. You should do it carefully. You should ensure that you have the right bottom line, and you should ensure that you've trained your staff and set your staff up in a way that they're going to be able to execute, explain this all to your guests, and really sell and embrace the program. So if you're looking for ideas on mocktails, cocktails, we are starting a conversation on this over on the Bar Business Nation Facebook group. So if you haven't had a chance yet, come join us. Really trying to build a community of people that can interact, that can help each other and support each other. And really there is strength in numbers. So come join the Bar Business Nation Facebook group. And we have an ongoing conversation there about mocktails, low-alcohol cocktails, different ideas and things that we can do with them. Make sure to join us. As a final note before I let you all go, I know I've been talking about this every week, but it's really exciting. I got the book that I'm writing, How to Make Top Shelf Profits in the Bar Business, almost entirely complete. I have proofs on their way. That will be released on Amazon for purchase sometime in the next few weeks. So I will definitely keep you informed of that. Really encourage you to read it. There's going to be a lot of great information in there. Stuff that we've covered on the podcast, stuff that we haven't. Also, if you join the Bar Business Nation Facebook group, we will be having a free version of the second book that I'm writing, Menus That Sell. It covers a lot of the same material that we talked about in the menu that sell podcast series, those three episodes that we covered menus. And if you want to get a free copy of that book, join the Facebook group. It will be available there as soon as it's done. I think I'm going to have that draft done and ready to get some feedback on and to give out to you guys and see what you think, probably in the next three weeks or so. So great reason to join the Facebook group. Be able to get that book before it even gets published for free. Also, we have the book, How to Make top shelf profits in the bar business that will be coming out shortly. With that, I hope you guys all have a fantastic week and we will talk again later. Thanks for listening to the Bar Business Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Check out our website at barbusinesspodcast.com and join our Bar Business Nation Facebook group for more strategies and tips.